Good morning and welcome again to CCT Live, Cape Cod Times Live Facebook news broadcast. I'm Patrick Cassidy, news editor here at the Cape Cod Times, and I'm joined today by Marianne Bragg. Uh, she's a reporter who covers uh, the towns of Truro, Wellfleet, and Orleans, as well as the Cape Cod National Seashore, which we'll talk a little bit about today. And uh, we'll also be talking about uh, marijuana on the Outer Cape, uh, which are, are those towns that I just mentioned, many of those towns that I just mentioned. Uh, first, we'll cover some other stories uh, that were covered this week by Cape Cod Times reporters and photographers. And after the big story, which is, again, going to be about uh, farming for marijuana on the Outer Cape, potentially, uh, we'll take a look ahead at what's to come uh, coming up. You can take a look back at past episodes by going to our Facebook account and follow us on all our social media accounts, Instagram, Twitter, etc. Uh, plenty to talk about, so we're going to get right into it. Um, town meeting season is starting to get underway, and, and it'll really start to rev up. But one of the towns that's already had a town meeting uh, that took place over the last three nights is the town of Falmouth. And there was plenty going on in Falmouth, um, but one of the big uh, things that happened, uh, and there was some news made this week in this, in this context, was uh, a question that the town had before it as to whether or not they were going to allow their uh, police chief, Edward Dunn, uh, to continue past the age of 65, which is the normal retirement age, required retirement age, uh, in, in most cases for uh, people in that position. Um, he had requested to be able to continue past that, that date, um, and town meeting has to first officially approve that, um, and then it will go to the state legislature, who would then approve it as a home rule petition, which is, again, this request. He wants to keep working till a little before his 67th birthday, um, so that's uh, until about 2022. I think the official uh, wording uh, would, would allow the town to negotiate a contract for as long as to 2024, but he said he was really just looking for a three-year deal. A lot of people were supportive of this. Um, a lot of people support the efforts that he's made in, in connection with working with the schools on the opioid epidemic. Uh, a, a lot of people in town say that he's a, a good police chief. Um, but there were some people who were not so uh, favorable towards this. In particular, there was one vocal point, uh, opponent of the idea, uh, Phil Alfonso, who runs uh, a Facebook page or has run a Facebook page in the past uh, that's uh, fairly popular uh, called Filter Free Falmouth. And Mr. Alfonso is also a town meeting member. And, and Falmouth, unlike other towns and, and all of your towns, Marianne, right. are anybody can show up to town meeting who lives in town and talk and vote. Falmouth's different. It's a representative town meeting, meaning that there are people who are essentially sent to town meeting as representatives for their different areas of town. So uh, Alfonso happens to be a, a town meeting member, and he's been vocal. He's been uh, talking about this issue and, and uh, raising concerns about allowing the chief to continue on past 65. And uh, his point is that there are uh, uh, retired police officers who can't do details in town, and he thinks they should be allowed to continue to work. Uh, past that retirement age or, or be allowed to do details, period, because Falmouth police officers apparently aren't allowed to do details in their town after uh, they're no longer working for the town. And so this kind of came to a head here at, at town meeting, I think, uh, late during the second night of town meeting on, on Tuesday. Uh, they took it up. But before that happened, and this is a little complicated, and I'll try and work through it pretty quickly, uh, Mr. Afonso received a phone call, he says, uh, late on Monday night, from somebody who uh, police say they determined was the police chief's stepbrother, James Dunn, who lives in Rhode Island. And Afonso took this phone call to be threatening. The uh, caller uh, said, I smell smoke. Uh, and this is a, a term that has been used in the past in Falmouth by a well-known 
uh, and, and now deceased uh, Falmouth resident who, who was accused of several crimes, convicted of arsons back in the 70s, or, or, or I believe. And uh, so it was taken as a threat by Afonso. He pursued charges. Uh, Chief Dunn was in probably the awkward position of, of having to decide whether to pursue charges against his own stepbrother, who he says he hasn't seen in 25 years. So they, he says, I, I haven't even talked to him for uh, years, and he didn't know why his stepbrother did it. Uh, we reached out, uh, reporter Christine Legere reached out to the stepbrother. He said he had been receiving threatening phone calls from Afonso. So a lot of back and forth, all very well covered by Christine. The long and short of it is on uh, uh, late Tuesday night, town meeting did approve the chief's request to uh, uh, go past the age of retirement, go past the age of 65 by a two to one margin. It was 130 to 65, so exactly a two to one margin, pretty overwhelming. Uh, and now that goes to the state legislature for their approval. The state legislature, typically in this case, is you would think if it had uh, support from the town and from uh, local legislators that they would approve this. In any case, still plenty to, to see uh, as far as what happens there, but also uh, plenty to read in the stories about town meeting coverage, which continued into last night, and, and there was a lot of other things going on there. Encourage you to go to capecottimes.com slash politics for all our town meeting coverage and all the town meeting coverage coming up, which you'll be part of, Marianne. There'll yep. be plenty to talk about in your towns. Um, also in your towns, uh, a lot of them uh, involve the uh, Cape Cod National Seashore. Right. And there was some news made this week. You've been following this issue for the last year. Uh, what can you tell us about what's going on out there and what's happened in the past year? Well, let's see. There's an advisory. It's a voluntary. It's called the, uh, it's an advisory advisory panel and uh, it's called the Cape Cod National Seashore Advisory Commission. They've actually been, it was formed like 60 years ago, right when the seashore was formed. They meet maybe four to six times a year and they advise the superintendent on really issues all across the six towns that uh, the seashore is uh, part of. So um, it was with the transition to the Trump administration and then uh, I guess with uh, the Secretary of Interior being appointed in in March of last year, the advisory commission learned that it couldn't meet. And as it turns out, um, I think most of the advisory commissions in the National Park Service were told not to meet. And then with that um, began a year of the, at least locally, that group trying to get permission from the National Park Service and the Department of Interior to start meeting again. And it, uh, it's really gone on for a year. So they last met in March and of last year. And then um, they've gotten various communication from National Park Service, from the Interior. Yes, you can meet. Then they try to meet and then they can't get their meetings posted. They have to post their meetings in the Federal Register. Then Representative Keating uh, has been involved to the point where he's been making personal phone calls. Uh, when I spoke to him on Tuesday, he said he finally had a conversation with a congressional aide in Interior um, that he felt like could maybe lead to a little breakthrough. And then yesterday, he did send out a press release that finally the commission may be able to well, he says the commission will be able to meet, and they say they're planning to meet in June. So 
we'll see whether that actually happens or not. Well, and it's important so. to say that, uh, you know, we haven't had a great deal of success getting in touch with the different people at the federal government during the, it, it's never easy to get in touch with somebody at the federal government. Uh, in it, they have, you know, public relations people who we deal with a lot. Um, but getting callbacks, it feels like it's become more difficult during the Trump administration. Obviously, the Trump administration is dealing with a lot of different things and a lot of uh, uh, things that are happening at the top levels. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about something like this advisory panel, it may not seem like a lot to somebody who's in Donald Trump's position. But here on the Cape, this group in particular, uh, we're told, uh, is much more active than a lot mm -hmm. of these other advisory commissions. Some of them have even just gone stagnant over the years and, and don't really meet anymore. This uh, commission and, and panel, as although it's advisory, uh, does weigh in on different issues. The Pilgrim Nuclear Power Station, uh, they've weighed in on the operations there, which have been controversial. They weighed in on land disputes, a campground issue out there right. uh, in, in your neck of the woods. Um, and so they're, they're more active than others. Um, and again, apparently, according to uh, uh, Bill Keating's office, uh, they, they are going to be able to meet again maybe as soon as June. But that's, you know, via his office, having talked to somebody there. Um, not that there's any reason to disbelieve that that's what he's been told, but they were kind of told last year that they were reinstated. Mm -hmm. And then, as you said, the, the technical process of setting up a meeting just didn't happen. They would right. they would request to, to have an agenda posted and it just wouldn't happen through the federal registry, which is how that's supposed to right. happen. So I mean you can really get a sense of really palpable frustration speaking to Representative Keating and also the uh, chairman of the commission, Richard Delaney, with a really just like I do not understand what is going on. Yeah, and it's not so. clear obviously uh, Keating is a Democrat, Trump administration is Republican. Uh, it's not clear. There's been no indication that this is a partisan issue in any way. Um, and, and I guess the question is whether or not it's uh, somebody doing something purposefully or it's just the machinations of how the Interior Department is working. Ryan Zinke, who's the head of the Interior, has mm -hmm. had his own issues and, and has his own uh, uh, news to deal with in terms of some controversy as far as how he's been handling that office. So, uh, as you've said, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see in, in June, I yeah. guess, if they're really going to meet. Oh, the other thing is their charter ends in September. So the commission itself has a six-year a six charter. And they have and to so re-up it every yeah, time. That yeah, that needs to be signed by the Department of Interior again. So that ends in September. So it was really starting to get a little critical. Well, let's see. You, you they, can't you can't even meet. What's the chances that it's going to be easy to get a charter re yeah. re up? To, uh, but uh, again, we'll have to continue to follow it. You'll continue yeah. to follow it, I'm sure. Um, uh, there was a, an uh, explosive situation, if you will, out in New Orleans. This happens from time to time on Cape Cod. I, have you ever covered one of these ordinances that have been brought up by a fishing boat, Marianne? Probably. Yes, right? but I've never seen it exploded. Yeah, that's the, that's the that fun part. I, yeah. you, you get the feeling that the firefighters <laughs> and the you know bomb squad guys have to be careful, but you could you could sense from talking to police and fire uh, officials yesterday that this is the type of thing that's that's exciting because it's fun and nobody gets hurt, and that's the idea. And and luckily nobody did. Uh, just to back up, a, a dragger um, uh, was out on Cape Cod Bay, and uh, they were dragging um, the, the seafloor for shellfish, I believe, and they dragged up uh, what turned out to be a couple of, of cylinders, one being six feet long, another being uh, less than a foot uh, long, a smaller cylinder, 
and they brought it to shore. They brought it into Rock Harbor in Orleans, and uh, the I think the natural resources officer uh, or manager Nate Sears got a look at it and said, "All right, let's let's call in the police. Let's call in the fire department." And then the fire department and police said, "All right, we're going to call in the bomb squad, and we're going to call in uh, what's called Naval EOD. I think it's Explosive Ordnance Disposal Technicians." Um, and so they brought those guys in. They took these devices and they put them down at the end of Rock Harbor, a very popular place for watching the sunset, the end of this jetty there, it's the entrance to the harbor. And they set off two explosions, one for the smaller one and one for the larger one. We have photos and video at capecottimes.com uh, slash video um, and, and with the story. And you know, if you wanna see something uh, blow up, this is the safest and, and, uh, and best way to see it. <clears throat> um, but it did, you know, did raise some questions as to where they came from. Obviously, it does happen from time to time, and one of the reasons it happens is because of the target ship, which is out in Cape Cod Bay. Have you ever seen the target ship, Marianne? No, uh, <coughs> I don't know. Pieces Isn't it of underwater it. now? It's it is underwater. So this is this is a ship that was used, as you know, uh, for target practice by the Navy uh, many moons ago, and and. Uh, it has deteriorated and, and at low tide, you could often see it. I actually kayaked out to it a couple of times and it was really cool to be out there. It's, it's in the middle of Cape Cod Bay, not in the middle, but pretty far out in Cape Cod Bay, I think about three miles off East Ham, mm -hmm. but it keeps deteriorating and going lower. But there's always been a concern about ordinances and any munitions that are left over there from this target practice that went on for, for many years. and. Uh, actually, earlier this year, because of the storms, the buoy that protects it uh, or or shows fishermen where it is uh, uh, was moved first to Wellfleet, I believe, and then to Barnesville to Sandy Neck, where I think it still is. Um, there is a, I talked to a Coast Guard official last night, and, and she said that there is a, a warning to mariners uh, that they know about it, they know it's there, so it, it, they shouldn't be basically dragging across it and nobody nobody says that that's what happened here um but obviously this this shell came from somewhere they were able to blow it up safely and uh again it's great great video and and uh, a good photo in today's paper so everybody can look for that um moving on to the big story here and this is a you know an ongoing story ever since uh, a a couple of ballot uh decisions by voters uh about legalizing med medical marijuana first and then uh, recreational marijuana and even this week, uh, the Cannabis Control Commission, which was established by the state to handle the regulations of marijuana, uh, decided that there were going to be, for recreational purposes, 20 organizations that uh, were kind of put to the front of, line, of the line to get their, apply for their licenses for recreational uh, marijuana facilities earlier than, than others. Uh, a couple of those were on the Cape. We have a story in today's paper about that, uh, so you can look at that. But earlier this week, you were reporting on uh, kind of the other side of things, not the, the sale, but actually the production of marijuana and how that might happen here on the Cape um, at, and out on the Outer Cape in particular with farmers. What, what was that story about and, and what did you find out? Uh, well, let's see. So I got to meet with this uh, group of farmers in Truro and just to remind everybody, uh, Truro is the Cape's smallest town and it's also the most rural town and they in total, a town has about 14 farms um, on it. So five of those farms want to get a new kind of uh, license under the Cannabis, Cannabis Control Commission regulations. And that particular license, it's almost designed for small farmers, like in Truro. Um, it's called the Craft Cooperative License. 
and um, <clears throat> those farmers will be able to apply for it starting May 1st. And they're really excited because uh, the regulations or the, um, the license was really put together um, with an effort from uh, uh, Julian Sear, the state senator out in that direction, Sarah Peak, state rep, and also uh, one of the farmers, um, Tim McCarthy. So they're all thinking they're going to be moving ahead, and, it, and it's only for wholesale marijuana sales, so they would be selling to like retail medical dispensaries and so on. But as they're as excited as they are, they found that the brakes have been put on in town hall, where uh, there's going to be an article on the annual town meeting uh, to for a moratorium on any kind of uh, building use or yeah. Uh, building or land use for any kind of marijuana activity. So the, the moratorium would just be through November, but the farmers are, uh, I would say, frustrated slash furious about it. Um, they want to be able to start uh, their work as soon as literally they get a license. And they're worried mainly that um, as suppliers, they want to make sure that they're the first in the door to all the dispensaries and opportunities that might be, particularly in Provincetown, Wellfleet, they want to be the first in the door to be the supplier. So that's really, they want to be able to get started as soon as they can, is kind of their bottom line. And maybe not surprisingly, Provincetown in particular is moving forward. Yeah. There are many group of many there are several groups in any case moving forward with plans for dispensaries out there and and so again that's the uh, the place where these farmers want to be able to sell and to your point they don't want somebody else to come along and be able to start selling and establish that relationship before they do and again the idea of the craft cultivator uh, license is that you have a group of farmers who can grow in their different on their different properties mm -hmm. and then sell as a as a group more or less to to again dispensaries and other places where they're buying it. So instead of having one large warehouse where you're growing marijuana as one organization, this spreads out the basically the business base and and again would help farmers who you know struggle. I mean, there's is as much as uh, local farmers markets are good places for them to sell vegetables and tomatoes and things, it's not an easy business and oh, it's, no. it's been getting harder over the years. And, and again, when you're, uh, their argument, when you're fighting kind of big agro business and you're fighting that now, you may be fighting big marijuana business. This is an opportunity. And I think Sear and Peak uh, from Truro and Provincetown uh, saw this as an opportunity to help some f smaller businesses, farmers along the way. So yeah, I mean it's definitely an income thing for them. They are the vegetable and flower farmers, and um, you know lettuce sells for four dollars a head. So they're, I mean it's it's really they're looking at it for as a real economic benefit, an opportunity to bring full-time jobs that would be paying decent wages. They've said twenty dollars an hour. Uh, year-round jobs so it's definitely there's super excited I would say and, for the and economic benefit as you said much more lucrative potentially than what you can sell a, a head of lettuce for yeah. or flowers um, right uh, as much as we love lettuce and flowers and I can't wait for uh, tomatoes this year but it, it's a difficult job when you're doing it for a living versus a hobby and yeah. uh, imagine they look for all sorts of ways to, to make money and support themselves I mean uh, the, the other thing is from the town's perspective is that they were, I would say, kind of slow on the uptake 
to approach the idea of zoning, which most of the other towns on the Cape have. So they're really worried about just trying to make sure that they have laws that are tailored to Truro's needs, zoning regulations. That's kind of from their perspective. They're, yeah. They're, they're not worried. against these farmers. They're not <laughs> right. against in these fact, farmers making a living or, right. or doing this. They're just saying we need right. to have the rules in place on a town basis so that yeah. it's done properly and that nothing is, is out of line. Yeah. So, but that takes time. Town government doesn't move. <laughs> Uh, yeah. super fast, especially when you have to deal with town meeting. And their town meeting in particular, uh, the date? It's like April 24th. Okay. Yeah. And so that's that's uh, coming up. Um, um, so, again, a lot more to report on there. You can check uh, our website for information about town meeting and, and the paper uh, on the day after town meeting to see how that decision is made and what happens there. Looking ahead, uh, we have a story coming up uh, likely tomorrow uh, about uh, the county government and uh, a look at uh, a recall uh, idea There's for county officials, uh, county commissioners, and Assembly of Delegates members, the legislative side of county government. Uh, there's not a, a way for them to recall as exists in towns. Uh, there's recall uh, processes for, for mm -hmm. selectmen and things like that. Uh, that doesn't exist for uh, county commissioners, uh, again, the executive branch. And what's kind of uh, seems to have pushed this forward uh, is some of the actions of one of the county commissioners, Ron Beatty Jr., um, who's gotten into it with different people about different issues, whether it be the Me Too movement. And he's, a, 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 like our president, a fan of Twitter and a fan of making his opinions known on Twitter. Um, and so he's set, uh, posted some things that uh, people haven't taken kindly to there about uh, the Me Too movement, about sharks. Uh, he got a, a lot of rise out of people on, on that front. And so there have been uh, people who have been asking uh, citizens who don't like what he's saying or doing, and they've been asking about uh, what's the process that we would go through uh, to recall. There is no process. And so the Assembly of Delegates is, is looking at that, potentially going to take it up. But again, like town government, county government doesn't move very quickly. And, and in some ways, that's good. You want to have a deliberative process. But uh, for people who are uh, against Mr. Beatty, and he's, he's in the middle of a four-year term, so he's got some time. And again, he, he says, these are my opinions. This is how I feel. I was elected. Um, and you, know, you can take it up at the next election, essentially. Um, but we'll see how that plays out. Jeff Spillane, our political reporter who covers the county, has been working on that story, and, and there'll be more on that in tomorrow's paper. So thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you, Marianne, uh, for, for being on again. Uh, please tell your friends, share the link, and uh, feel free to reach out to us. All our emails are on uh, CapeCodTimes.com website. If you have any news tips or other information you'd like to share, um, we're where the news on Cape Cod starts. And uh, until next week, we wish you good morning and good luck. Bye.